it's along that line. You know, you want to talk about, advertise. Sometimes we call those out at the end. Sometimes we don't. Uh, today we actually have a pretty packed agenda. So um, with some interesting stuff. So we may not get to that. But if you got them, share them there. Um, you can see uh, the agenda and notes. Feel free to use that document. Take notes, ask questions, do sidebar commentary. It uh, is a running document of this meeting. And past meetings are also cataloged there uh, for time in memoriam or until various digital services go offline. Um, so I think we can go ahead and begin. Welcome everyone to the Interledger Community Call. Another great turnout for another exciting conversation. Um, we are pretty packed today. Is Adrian on? I don't know if I saw him roll in. Maybe not or not yet. So we will jump one ahead and go to, let's go to Sabine. Let's get the uh, Rafiki update. Sure. Hi, everybody. Um, so the big update from Rafiki's side is that actually everybody that's working on Rafiki or those people working related to Rafiki, um, we are all meeting next week in Cluj, Romania um, for the Rafiki work week. So we are attempting to get a lot of work done and I'm sure we will get a lot of work done, but have even more work when we leave the Rafiki work week. We did this already last year and this is exactly how it went. So I'm expecting nothing less than it to happen this year again. Um, we are focusing on five different things. Um, one of which is documentation. Even though documentation has improved ever since uh, we started doing documentation last year during the Rafiki work week, it's still not where we want it to be. So we want to include more information, also structure it better. Um, and yeah, that um, on Rafiki, but also on open payments and all the different things that somehow are related um, to Rafiki. Then the second one is Rafiki right now has ILP as the payment method. We want to add a second one, which is Mojo Loop. That will be a second work stream. And we do this specifically for remittance payments because remittance payments, ILP is not really made for that, um, but we want, like it's part of financial inclusion. So um, we want to add that as a second payment method. Um, we've also been discussing open payments spec changes um, over the last couple of weeks during our open payments catch-up call that is um, open to the community, by the way. So I'll just put some little advertisement in here as well. Um, the link to that call is on the um, open payments Rafiki repository. We should probably also put it on the like the, the open payments documentation page, but we haven't uh, done that yet. It's fairly new, but basically what we do there is uh, talk about things that we think should change in the spec. And these are like coming from feedback from like all of you basically. Um, so we want to update the spec to um, include all the changes that we have already discussed and then also update Rafiki to um, comply with the newest version of the open payments spec. Um, also, also the, the People working on testnet, Rafiki.money, are going to be there. So um, they have a bunch of things on the agenda that they want to get done, um, improving testnet. And then finally, we uh, want to add telemetry to Rafiki such that we have some more data and can actually measure what's happening under the hood. 
So these are all the things we're going to be working on. If you are interested in working with us, uh, I, I, I a little bit short notice to invite you to join us in person, but you can join remotely if you want to. Um, just uh, hit me up and I'll make sure that we have some some way of communicating during that week. Um, also, um, for those that uh, want to have a Rafiki primer prior to joining, I'll do that this Friday. We'll have an hour of a call where I'll um, talk a little bit about Rafiki infrastructure, what it does, what it's supposed to do, all this kind of stuff. Um, the notes have the, the date and time. And yeah, let me know if you want to be invited to this. Um, yeah, that's that's the most important stuff. I also put in the notes what we are gonna, uh, what we accomplished over the last month and um, what we're still discussing. Go ahead and read this and I'll give some more people time to talk. So thank you. Love it. Um, can you, I see the notes you say join remotely. Is there any link or any detail that you could put in there for how or just contact you? I, I will. I will. Uh, I have not figured that out yet. Uh, how we're going to do this? Because I need to first talk to um, the Breakpoint office. What what's actually possible there technologically from their side? Broadcast details to come. Thank you very much. I'll also put it in the Interledger Slack and probably right in general splash it out there. Yep, that's a great. Always plug the community uh, Interledger Slack. It's always your most direct access to find information you need, or to just bug someone individually. Bug, I mean, in a lovely and wonderful way. Um, that's a good. Uh, let's go to Breakpoint and the test net. That's a good segue from there. So, Tamea, do you want to jump on and give us your updates? Sure, sure. Hello, everyone. Um, I have a short update, and the very first one would be that on the wallet uh, wallet testnet, you can use now multiple currencies, so those are available, you can play around. And uh, the new thing we have is, I think I just shared my screen, I hope you are seeing it. Um, our second phase in the testnet family would be the Interledger e-commerce, which will probably be renamed into um, Interledger uh, Boutique, Rafiki Boutique, that would be the um, uh, the domain name as we have Rafiki Money, this will be the Rafiki.boutique. And we have here some products that you uh, can buy. So this is just a teaser of what we are preparing. Um, we have six, six products that you can buy. You can just uh, click on a product, see the details, add to cart, add some more stuff and then view the shopping cart right here in the corner what you have here in the list and um, you can remove products add some more products and then do a checkout well this checkout is um, almost done i am on localhost um, radu is doing an excellent job he's almost done with the checkout basically what will happen here is that you will pay with a payment pointer. So we are using open payments to connect this e-commerce application with our testnet wallet. So um, you will do a payment with a payment pointer and you will have to um, grant access to um, the e-commerce application in your wallet application. And then um, either you decline the payment or you accept it. And in the grants list in the wallet application, you will see this 
payment as well, this grant. So um, that connection is, um, you know, under development right now. Um, we are planning to um, maybe even finish it next week in the Rafiki work week. Uh, so this was just a small teaser of what we are preparing and this connection between our wallet application and the e-commerce application. Yeah, that's about it. All of the updates from Testnet side. Modrina did a great job here on design and Radu did a, did a great job on development. I had to say that because they uh, really are doing a great job, everyone. All of the Breakpoint team, but like uh, this e-commerce application is especially um, those two. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, exciting update and beautiful one at that. And you're getting a lot of love in the emojis and in the comments. Um, it's that. pretty cool. Um, so everyone go play with that. Um, more levels of play in the sandbox. We've added toys. Um, this would be a good time. We're, we have a busy agenda and we're going to go to Fine Boss in just a minute and then I'll give some interledger updates and then we're going to go with a deep dive on uh, Mozart later, which we're all very excited about and I think is going to bring a lot of interesting things to the community. But before that, I want to take a quick pause and see if there are any questions or anyone want to follow up on anything with the Rafiki or Testnet updates. Okay, we have come to the conclusion of the awkward silence, which means no one uh, is jumping in with the question. So, Adrian, I believe you are now on. Uh, your rabbit ears are on, and you're ready to give us a fine boss update. Hello. Uh, yeah, sorry for joining late. Um, yeah, so update from our side. A lot of work in the last month on um, embedding our capability into sort of community settings. So... Um, you all know we have the ability to connect your Fainless wallet to like a Twitter account. Um, we now have the ability to connect it to a uh, website. So if you own a website, you can prove ownership through like a DNS, um, signed DNS entry. Uh, and then the two really exciting ones we added recently are Slack and Discord. So you can link your Discord account and your uh, various Slack workspace accounts to your wallet. Uh, and the the what we want to um, build on the back of that is uh, Slack and Discord bots that allow you to do payments inside those communities. So the bots are up and working. Um, we uh, we're sort of ironing out the last few little features on those, uh, and we've been putting a lot of energy into a advertise into an advertising campaign in the US to try and find communities that want to test uh, test those out. So you would have seen my message on the Interledger Slack a little while back asking if folks use Discord or Slack communities. Um, that was the that was the reason there. Um, so we've had a few responses in in response to our ad campaign. Uh, and we've sent out some emails to a few people to set up some interviews and um, you know, find out a little bit more about their use case. Our goal really is make sure we don't go building lots of stuff that nobody has asked for. Um, so the, the bots at the moment are very basic because a slash command pay um, and you put in a username and an amount and a, a little memo, uh, it'll call out to our side, connect whoever the caller is with their connected wallet, connect whoever the receiver is with their connected wallet, um, create the payment, prompt the, the caller to authorize it. So you'll get 
a little pushback into Slack or, or Discord with a, a a little button that you click to authorize, and it'll bring up um, a pop-up to either put in OTP or, or, or 3DS. Um, yeah, so that's that's sort of on the product side. That's been the main focus. We're in a lot of discussions with some uh, companies in uh, the UK and Europe around uh, enabling payments from those territories. Um, we're hoping we can unlock quite a few actually in one go with the company that we're talking to. But in the meantime, we have been approved by our um, by our bank, our acquiring bank in the US to be able to at least send into those countries. So we're waiting for approvals from the networks, but the bank has approved our program to do sending into UK, Europe, India, and Japan. Uh, those are the four that, that um, they've approved so far. Uh, so hopefully we can, we can kick something off soon where folks will be able to sign up from those countries, at least to receive money. So you'll be able to sign up, link a debit card, link all of these identities. You'll be able to receive payments. You won't be able to send them yet because our licensing doesn't allow us to do sending. Uh, but as I say, yeah, working on that, um, hope to have something to report back soon. Uh, and then last but not least, been uh, doing a bunch of work around how we standardize our sort of you know, the wallet address, payment pointer idea, as well as the profile page. You know, when you visit like fameboss.me slash Adrian, if you query that um, with an, through an API client and you get back JSON, it, it gives you like all the linked identities and keys. And that's sort of been a, a, a small piece of the open payments standard so far. Um, I made a proposal a couple of weeks ago that we adopt um, some of the more broad standards around identifiers and, and uh, entity documentation, uh, specifically distributed identifiers. Um, so our, the way we all do you know, payment pointers and, and wallet addresses today actually maps really cleanly into the did web uh, distributed identifier method. Uh, and then all that would mean is that we would then, you know, as a wallet, we would we would present a the document that contains all of the information we already showed today, but in a standardized format with, um, you know, verifiable credentials and and um, the ability to do sort of selective disclosure of information and so on. So uh, very early on that, um, we're in the process of sort of specking that out, and we've actually got a company locally here in Cape Town that are sort of experts in that space who. Um, we've been chatting to about getting some help on this. I'm um, going to be, meet with them next week, so I'll be able to report back soon. Uh, and then, yeah, next week we'll be joining the work week remotely. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, um, none of us are going to be in Romania, but we, we're going to join from here. And Amir is still trying to get across to Romania from Turkey. He's struggling a little bit with visas, but he may be able to join at least the second half of the work week, uh, assuming he can get uh, get the visa issued on on the day when he goes for his appointment next Tuesday. Um, I think that's it from our side. All right. Well, thank you very much, Adrian. Um, we have one question, I think, from Jeremiah. I'm interested to know more about that. I know, uh, sorry, I want my glasses on. DID was a bit of a controversial approval by W3C. I, I mean, can't comment on the W3C controversy. Uh, there's never a shortage of it. Um, I would say, in my experience at W3C, 
there are uh, a big portion of the W3C participants and and group members who are uh, not from big tech, not from browser vendors, um, and so have interest in technologies that don't get majority support, if you like, within W3C. I would classify the verifiable credentials and distributed identifiers as probably one of those. Um, Self-sovereign identity doesn't gel well with uh, companies that would like to, um, you know, help you log in everywhere and then track where you go. Um, that's my personal opinion. Uh, for what it's worth, one of the things we're in the process of doing is evaluating a call from the Department of Homeland Security in the US for digital wallets that can issue these credentials. They have been big supporters of the work. Um, they actually have uh, pretty strong privacy preserving principles and, and a whole department within the DHS around being able to do their jobs without sharing personal information. So they would very much like to see the ability, for example, for a wallet to verify your identity without having to ask you for your social security number. Um, and so, yeah, there's a, there's a high likelihood we'll get, in get involved in a program with them to implement a bunch of this stuff in our wallet. Uh, and that would allow someone, for example, to sign up with Fameboss, verify their, their identity without actually giving us their personal information, maybe just their name and date of birth, but we wouldn't need a social security number, we wouldn't need, uh, you know, addresses and so on. Uh, and we would still be operating within um, uh, the, the sort of what's allowed by our licensing, because, uh, you know, we would have a very strong, like, we, we would have done our job in terms of identity verification, because we would have uh, verified an identity credential from either the, um, the there's two departments within the DHS that are part of this. I forget exactly who they are, but yeah, I, I would say verifiable credentials and distributed identifiers are very widely supported. Um, they're the crux of most of the work that's happening in the Open Wallet Foundation. Um, they are pretty integral to a lot of the work that's happening in the EU. So the EU has a whole project for um, creating an open source identity wallet that will become kind of the standard for, uh, for citizens in the EU. Uh, and DIDs and, and verifiable credentials are, are kind of key to that. There are a bunch of competing sort of variations of standards and there are other credential standards. Mostly, I would say the one probably most well-known is the uh, there's an ISO standard, which is used for driver's licenses. Um, but that doesn't, yeah, I, as far as I know, that isn't being widely used for anything else. Um, so yeah, interesting space. We're just really getting our heads around it, but it sort of gels well with our whole vision of pulling identities and payments together into one place and, you know, being able to send money to someone without needing to know their bank account number. You could know just their like online identity, be able to safely and, and securely send the money and rely, rely on the fact that they are who they, they say they are um, because of verifiable credentials. So yeah, lots, lots of stuff that's left to happen, but we're pretty excited about it. Awesome. Um, Adrian, see Adam GFAM has a chat question. You can probably follow up on we that. We have a Discord server. I will drop a link to the yeah. server in the chat. Uh, it is literally fresh and new. So if you join, 
Um, well, it used to be an internal server, so we've only just cleaned it up and made it publicly consumable. So if you join, you may even be the first person to even say anything in the chat channel, but well, I'll, I'll share a link. <laughs> what a great answer. Action forward. Um, all right, so let me jump in and give a, a some junky Interledger, broad Interledger foundation updates, and then we're going to go to Mozart. Um, uh, one, I'm going to do some stuff that's kind of current, and then some stuff that's previewing. Uh, one, the most important thing, if you haven't gotten your ILP Summit tickets, you can see uh, that link. Um, please go ahead and grab a ticket. Um, maybe you're already coming and you haven't done that. Please do it. Maybe you still want to come uh, that is the way forward and also please spread widely you know we would love uh you know whether in your circles within your social media we'd love the help and amplifying uh that tickets are available for the summit we're going to be starting to announce uh speakers beyond our keynotes here in the coming weeks which should be driving a good amount of excitement we had over 85 submissions for our call for speakers and we actually expanded the program to accommodate more folks so more updates on that soon. Hey, someone I think is live typing because you just make sure that you're muted. Thank you. Um, and speaking of the summit, th I want to give a house, cle house cleaning announcement. We will not, not have a November Interledger community call, this call, um, because we're doing the summit and it just felt like a little bit of a redundancy. Um, and then December, we will be doing a kind of a debrief and review and share out from the summit. So just a look forward. Um, but we still have October as usual next next month. Um, one other thing, and, and I th I'm pretty sure I saw Julaire on, maybe Julaire, you can throw some links in. We do have active grants, both for ambassadors and for research and development proposals uh, for our um, Interledger financial services call. We'll put the links in there. The next deadline is September 21st. And then there's a, uh, the, the last deadline of the year is November 21st. So there's still two opportunities on both those grant streams. Um, so that's kind of what's going on right now. Just to tie in what Adrian was talking about and Jeremiah was asking about in the chat. The next call in October, which will happen, um, we will have an update. Alex and some others with um, ILF badges are at the TPAC W3 Summit or conference, whatever it's called, literally right now. So uh, we will have, we'll definitely ask Alex to do a little bit of a, a debrief and an update from what comes of this week. Um, but I also now want to talk, turn it over to our uh, colleague, Vanille, to talk a little bit about Hacktoberfest, which is coming up and should be an exciting way for most of you to participate and for us to grow our contributors. Vanille? Yes. Um, so our uh, open source ambassador, Santosh, and I are uh, working together to put together uh, uh, the campaign. So what we'll be doing is uh, throughout um, uh, October, we'll invite open source contributors to contribute to uh, open issues on ILF uh, GitHub, and not just ILF, but if you have any projects and you want us to uh, spread with the community, you could also uh, uh, send those uh, link to us. So uh the next step would be to identify what the is uh, good first issues that you want to share uh with the community to participate and then uh, you can tag them as 
hashtag Oktoberfest on the on the GitHub. So whoever from that during that month are looking to contribute to, uh, they can identify things through through that uh, tag. Um, so the the Interledger team is also next week uh, going to put together a list of uh, good first issues uh, from various things. So we'll be compiling all of that, and there will be a a, a page. Uh, which would be curated and then we'll be reaching out to different open source communities across yeah if if you have if you would like to participate uh put share your uh uh uh, uh you know, projects to engage with the open source community uh, please reach out uh, to to me or santosh yeah that's it from my side too awesome thank you and you sort of uh in a, a wonderful way introduced that we have a new open source ambassador in santosh so one of our ambassadors that came through our open call is now plugging right away into growing our open source outreach via hacktoberfest and in the notes you can see a link uh to that bullet point um and that will take you on but that's just a little preview there'll be more to come but definitely think about that and reach directly out to vanille via the slack um, we also will be participating this year with our new partner, the uh, Action in Financial Inclusion Week, which will happen in October. We'll also be sharing more details about that as well. We're doing a, a session during their Financial Inclusion Week. It's all virtual, uh, as well as participating in some other ways. So we will be updating all of you um, about Interledger's involvement in that. Um, and I just want to say one quick thing before we move on to Mozart. It's being involved in this call now for multiple years, it really is remarkable to see these updates from the testnet to Findboss to Rafiki, uh, what we're going to hear in just a few minutes with Mozart, even where the foundation is going. It really is remarkable to see the progress, the sophistication, the momentum. So, you know, maybe everyone hit that applause uh, icon and just give everyone here a round of applause because you can really sense a lot of movement and momentum in lots of parts of the ecosystem. So just it's always good to make those acknowledgments. And I wanted it, it struck me as I sat here and listened and as Vanille and I prepare for these meetings every month, we're kind of deeply in the weeds of what goes on. So you can really start to feel that that steady momentum. And with that, uh, I'd love to kick it over, I think, to Jeff and team at Mozart, who I think are going to represent another really big piece of ecosystem momentum here uh, and are a new grantee of uh, the Interledger Foundation. So announcements all over the place here. Jeff, are you kicking us off? I guess I am. I, I, I am, Chris. So I appreciate the intro and glad to be here uh, having this opportunity to kind of share more about Mozart and kind of what we're up to and how the world's come together and benefit everybody. So. With that, I have uh, pulled together a couple of slides that we can leverage to use to uh, let me know when everybody has a chance to see it. I, it your screen has been shared. Awesome. So, you know, as Chris had mentioned, uh, there's there's some potentially some pretty cool tools and and toys uh, in the box that that we can. Um, that we can leverage together. You know, just a quick background on Mozart and, and kind of the journey that, that we started about four and a half years ago. We took a number of folks that had uh, really great uh, banking and, and global payments backgrounds with, uh, along with technology and great connections and connectivity into the ecosystems. And, you know, four and a half years ago, we, we really focused the business on um, 
on an area that we thought was was a pretty big weakness in in, in the industry today. And since we're U.S. based, uh, you know that represented that uh, the eleven thousand or so financial institutions across the U.S. with within banks and credit unions and. Our you know, narrowed in focus at the time was really around how do we help these financial institutions that really don't have the know-how, they don't have connectivity into the ecosystem of you know, who's really delivering and, and orchestrating these payments. And, and they, they certainly didn't have the technology. They were kind of stuck in a rut of, of leveraging their current platforms that were you know, the, the core banking systems and the payment platforms that are 30 to 50 years old and they're very archaic and almost green screened. And they're, they're definitely not designed to, to work with the modern uh, companies and businesses and fintechs that, uh, that, that they were trying to work with. And so we pointed and vectored in on, on how do we help that ecosystem out? And, and so um, we built a platform that, that really enabled all of those capabilities for cross-border payments is kind of where we started. And and we went out and we worked started working with a number of financial institutions around that. And as we were starting to roll out, and this was four and a half years ago, as we started to roll out some of these financial institutions, they said, "Geez, you're doing the heavy lifting and the hard yards of of cross border payments. How about helping us with domestic payments as well?" So we we did. We expanded the um, evolved the platform to uh, to handle domestic payments in the U.S. That meant that we needed to integrate in, in not only to the, the different rails and different systems in the US and the different parts of the ecosystem, but we needed to directly integrate and, and work within the Federal Reserve. And, and so we started that as well and uh, about two and a half years ago. So um, a lot of progress in, in the business and in the company in, in the last four and a half years, but uh, a ton of progress in the last couple of years uh, within the business. And so you know, with that, I thought it'd be good just to share, you know, what exactly do I mean by that? What did we build? And, and ultimately, how does that uh, how does that benefit, you know, everybody on this call today and others as, as well as as we're, we're looking to build out, you know, global capabilities for for every everybody and every use. So, you know, to start with one of the key pieces of the foundation that we needed to to do is is we needed to build a, a real platform, call it a core, a payments core and deposit core that that was highly scalable, was very different than than what was out in the market today, which which I referenced 30, 50 year old technology like from FIS and the Fiserv's and Jack Henry's of the world that instead of leveraging those older kind of platforms, we needed something that was instead of a batch that processed overnight, we needed something real time. We need something that was very modern. Um, and, and had a very API focus that could be very easily integrated and consumed by by others uh, instead of you know months and months or years of of trying to integrate to these uh, you know archaic system. This is something that we have clients that that have come to us uh, on a Friday, and you know by the end of the next week they're not only integrated but they're running test payments ac across all these different things that that Mozart provides. So. We uh, looked at at what you know the definition of of you know what is the the next stage or what is the next uh, you know core kind of capabilities that would really you know take not only these FIs but all these fintechs and tech forward companies to the to the next level and we started building out things that everybody needed right so the a very automated real time twenty four by seven capability to onboard new clients. That from a compliance standpoint, from a you know an account issuing standpoint, 
um, you know, everything directly connected to the Fed, you know, that incorporated all those capabilities, everything that was on a global basis that would incorporate everything there. But let's let's allow for 24 by 7 account openings and, and account setups. Let's take it to the next level of, you know, we'll provide the ledgering and the sub-ledgering. If somebody has that capabilities, we could provide APIs and webhooks to keep their systems up updated in real time. But it's really an end-to-end -end deposit account and payment core is, is what we had developed. We've been recognized now, uh, you know, by, by some of the folks out there, JP Morgan and others that have just, you know, have provided an analyst report that, that has recently come out that said, hey, we, we are at that level. We've now moved a tremendous amount of, of uh, money through this core, through the system. We have, you know, opened up accounts for, you know, around the globe onto this platform. And it is scalable and at the level that you would expect an FIS or a FISERV type of core to operate. So, uh, you know, with that, we, we looked at and we said, okay, we have global payments, cross-border, we have domestic payments. We have these other alternative payment methods that, that we need to account for. We have card issuing. So we took the next step within our core. And if you've been following Mozart at all, you've probably seen a recent release uh, from Shazam that, you know, Mozart is the front end for card issuing, um, you know, for all of the Shazam uh, debit cards that are connected directly to these FBO accounts that we provide. Um, and, and so what does that really mean? It means that instead of having to go to Marquetta and Galileo and pay a lot of money and take a lot of time to, to stand up a bin of cards, and then go to somebody else like Treasury Prime or somebody else and that does ledgering and subledgering. Mozart has a platform that does all of those end-to-end -end capabilities and, and and by the way, are connected directly to these FBO accounts and, the, and these bank accounts that, that our core manages. So it's pretty cool um, capabilities that everybody can, can leverage. And again, instead of writing this giant check to all these other third-party companies, you can do a one-stop shop with, with Mozart. And instead of, you know, uh, taking six, nine, 12, 18 months to stand something up, these things happen very aggressively, very efficiently. So that's what we have done from a platform, a core perspective uh, that we have built uh, at Mozart that, that is kind of the foundation of everything that we're going to talk about next, and, and that's domestic and, and then international payments. With that, uh, on the domestic side, everything you would, you would expect, right? So since we are directly uh, connected and integrated and we work very closely with the Federal Reserve, everything across ACH, across wires, auto debit kind of capabilities, you know, the hot you know wave right now across the U.S. is are you going to do real-time payments or FedNow, which is, you know, just doing real-time payments through the Fed versus the clearinghouse. Uh, you know, those are enabled and, and, and continue to be built out on our side, not only sending but receiving a lot of times, a lot of fintechs and tech forward companies come to us and they talk about, hey, we, you know, we have challenges with, uh, you know, we find a bank partner, sponsor bank that, that you know, if they're doing Visa Direct, they only do Visa Direct domestic. They don't do cross-border. Uh, same thing with MasterCard Send. So, you know, being, being able to create that capability of doing both sending, receiving domestic and international is, is really what we have focused our platform on that we continue to build out. So both on the inbound and the outbound, um, you know, being able to do things like pay to card capabilities and things like that is what you would expect and what we continue to build out across our Mozart core and capabilities. So where, 
this becomes really interesting. I mentioned, you know, when we started the journey four and a half years ago and we talk about, you know, the cross-border element uh, of our business, you know, we started very early building, you know, not only partnerships because we knew the FIs and the fintechs had, had you know, challenges partnering with JP Morgans, with all these different, uh, you know, companies that are, are, you know, that are in the space. We went out and, and we signed direct strategic partnerships with them. Um, we've not only have done that, but we've enabled a number of financial institutions with these capabilities, but we've also, and we continue to evolve the integration to all these, these uh, tremendous platforms, right? So, you know, at some levels, uh, you know, pieces of their business are, are required and needed. And, and so we knew that it's not just a single one-stop shop that uh, JP Morgan might have tremendous corridors and capabilities over here, but Standard Charter is is better in Asia and and uh, you know different parts of of uh, of these different corridors and and currencies. And so we knew that we needed to be able to expand and, and provide something that um, could be used on a global basis for anybody and by anybody. And this is what we're really, really excited about uh, with Interledger and working with Rafiki, because this is exactly where it plugs in is, is that not only everybody on the call here today, but but others that are that, uh, you know, that are interested in this, they'll be able to leverage um, now, you know, our existing client base and others can can leverage all the capabilities, you know, once it's fully integrated to what Rafiki offers and what Rafiki, everybody here is building into Rafiki. But on reverse, on the other side, is is that because of this integration, now everybody here can can now leverage the capabilities that are not only Rafiki based, but also everything else that you're seeing on the slide for you know a full rounded experience until we build more and more capabilities across Rafiki. So, so that's what we're really really excited about is is that it, it really does bring kind of the worlds together uh, in a perfect way of of saying hey. You know, there's a tremendous amount of capabilities that are, are here today uh, across Mozart. Now looking at where Rafiki is taking things is exactly what we're continuing to build out. It, it just makes a ton of sense for us to to uh, really integrate uh, the pieces together, not only for U.S. Uh, domestic uh, type payments, but but also for international payments, uh, you know, around the globe. So this is this is a part that that we're. Um, you know, as Chris had mentioned about, you know, from a grant standpoint, uh, you know, we're we're putting a, a tremendous amount of time and effort uh, behind this and building this piece out, and and really getting this Rafiki integrated and built into the ecosystem, uh, and for capabilities that anybody can leverage um, across our current customer base and future, and then everybody here on the call across all of you and, and your your customers uh, and clients as well. So we're, we're pretty excited. It's a pretty cool uh, thing to add into the mix and, and really uh, really drives it to the next level. So uh, I think, uh, you know, a couple of things here that just kind of, uh, you know, next steps and, and kind of things that we think are pretty cool, pretty important to us is that, you know, we're, we're really looking forward to uh, to meeting everybody at, at the summit um, in Costa Rica. So we're, we're pretty fired up on that. And, and just so everybody understands, so what could you expect from us to, you know, at that summit is that, you know, we plan to come there and and really we've been, our team's been working really hard on doing this integration and, and you know, getting everything ready. So we would love to be able to come to the, come to the summit and which is just around the corner and be able to show like our current status and progress of where are we at, how would the systems work together? Is there, 
you know, not only materials, but potentially a, a demo that we could showcase, you know, that's what we're marching towards and we're trying to get to. So we could kind of showcase the current status of, of where we are together with Rafiki and everything that we're doing at Mozart. Um, you know, some of the things that, that others have asked too is, is uh, you know, uh, is there any way we can get involved and we'd love to help in any way. You know, we, we would love if, if you're interested, you know, please reach out. Uh, we'd love to have folks, uh, you know, when we get to the right point of, you know, helping us test and, you know, doing uh, various things. We're already working with some of the Interledger, um, you know, prior uh, grantees that are clients of ours already. So, uh, you know, we, we would love to, to see if anybody else wants to lean in, in and help out in any way. We would love to, you know, kind of open things up and allow folks to have early access to. Um, we do publish a ton of stuff. So if you're interested uh, in Mozart, it, you, we, we put a ton of stuff out on LinkedIn. So, you know, please, please follow uh, Mozart on LinkedIn and, and you'll see all the latest and greatest of not only partnerships, but you'll see what we're kind of up to. Uh, just yesterday, we, we just updated our website. So, you, you know, uh, feel free to go to Mozart.com and, and check out what we're up to and, and our latest updates. And we'll continue to update that or, or reach out to me directly. Right. So we're, we're happy to not only talk about Rafiki, we're ha happy to help out everybody here with, uh, you know, any kind of, you know, need to open up U.S. bank accounts and, and things like that. It's something that, um, you know, we do every day and, and we've done for uh, a number of uh, interledger uh, uh, grantees. So, you know, with that, I, I guess I would ask, uh, first of all, thank you. It's great to be here and, and great to uh, to meet everybody. And we do really do look forward to meeting everybody uh, in Costa Rica. What a pretty cool place to go. And then I'd uh, happy to answer any questions that you might have. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Um, one quick thing I want to connect a dot with Jeff. We'd love to have you and your team throw some stuff over to Benil and Santosh for Hacktoberfest. Um, you know, so that might be a really interesting area to start some of that collaboration in terms of opening up or reviewing whatnot. So I would just put in a plug there as we connect some of those dots. Sure. Um, we've got one question from Adam that I'll read aloud, but then other people can also jump on mic or line up in the uh, text queue. But it's basically a question about your intended customers. Who who do you see as your customers? Are the institutions, businesses, Gen Pop? How do you how do you define that? Yeah, so so we 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 do have a a pretty steady uh, group of of FIs that uh, that we continue to service that that has been, you know, as we have evolved the business and in kind of our focus that has kind of become our secondary uh, focus. Our real focus has been on we have been sponsored and I probably should have spent spent a little bit of time. We've been sponsored by a nationally chartered uh, bank here in the U.S. So we have extended, uh, they've extended their bank charter to us. We have our own dedicated uh, routing number directly to the Fed. And our all of our connectivity is directly to the Fed. So we've been fully sponsored to the Federal Reserve. And so, you know, like our primary business today is, is to continue to build out global kind of capabilities and really serve the needs of fintechs and tech forward companies. So you're going to see some announcements coming here that are pretty big, significant. Everybody on the call is going to recognize uh, some of these global fintechs that uh, we have onboarded, and and so you'll you'll see more and more of that coming up. But that that is our primary is is our focus is that uh, we'll continue to build out our capabilities, our our platform, our core, uh, our partnerships and ecosystem, and and to really serve the needs of of fintechs and tech forward companies is really where what our primary focus is. 
Awesome. Uh, we have another question from someone from the Agnosti Pay team. When a customer has an FBO account, which maybe you could define when you answer this, uh, yeah. at Mozart, would the, that customer also have a personal API key that they could use in a different app slash platform? Um, I'll answer the first part of it. And if, if David is is on, uh, I'll, I'll have him answer the, the second part. But the first part is just just to, so everybody understands. So when when typically when you look to open up a bank account uh, in the US and, and you're a, a tech forward or a fintech company and, and you have clients all around the world or you have clients in the US, you would set up with us, uh, we would provide you a block of bank account numbers for you and all your clients. And, and when you think about it is, is that all of your clients would become kind of FBOs for benefit of one of your clients uh, that would be kind of underneath your umbrella. So we would set those up. We would we would establish those. We would ledger and sub ledger those separately or we'd provide you the capabilities to to uh, track and maintain the within your own ledgering capabilities. So an FBO account is just for the benefit of, uh, you know, you and your clients. And so. Um, that's what that definition is. And then the second part of the question, I will hand it over to David to uh, to answer that part. Uh, sure, you'll have to forgive the background noise. I am at that W3C conference today. Um, and uh, I said goodbye to Alex earlier. He's, he flew out of here. But um, um, the access to that uh, via API is up to our client. So some of our clients would give out access to that to be able to get have those capabilities directly. We don't give access to those individual accounts to users. No. So that would be up to our client to be able to give that access, but we have no restriction on that access for, for them. Cool. Can I ask a question here? Um, if you're providing US bank accounts, is there a possibility here that this could be a solution for people who are not currently based in the US who might want to use Finboss um, with because it would be a US bank account, right? If, if that's the end of your question, I, I would say yeah. yes. So we typically, um, more times than not, majority of our clients are are fintechs or or businesses outside the U.S. that are looking to provide their current clients with U.S. bank accounts and capabilities to either receive a bunch of funds in. So you think about if you have clients that want to pay you uh, or pay your clients in the U.S. and then you want to be able to send those funds cross border and anywhere around the world, or you want to redisperse those funds across the U.S. These are full functioning bank accounts that allow you to to auto debit or or provide. Here's how you pay us in into an account that we a bank account that we provide that's all FDIC insured at, at a nationally chartered bank here in the U.S. Um, and and so our technology sits on top of it. We're sponsored by the bank to open up all these accounts, and then we really take the instructions. Uh, you know, of how do you want to collect the money? How do you want to send the money? But these are accounts that are owned by by each of each of your clients. And as you mentioned with the FinBoss part, uh, yeah, so that, that would be a typical use case is that if you're looking and needing US accounts that could do any of these capabilities on the behalf of, you know, working with FinBoss, these are, you know, what we do every day for, for other FinTechs. So um, Adrian, um, like my understanding is like, I'm a Canadian, I have a US account, but it's held by a Canadian institution. So that doesn't work for Finboss from my from the last call we had, from my understanding. But 
in this case, would like setting up uh, like, you know, an account through like a US account through uh, through Mozart, would that work with your with the regulations that you've got at your end? So uh, I'll just say devil's in the details. Uh, we should talk more about this, but uh, you know, typically that's, you know, we, I'll, I'll give a couple of examples. You know, we have a Canadian company that does not have a presence or, or a license or anything else in the U S um, they, they have set up accounts uh, in the U S you know, with Mozart for their clients, their clients collect funds into these accounts. So it's for the benefit of their clients. They're collecting money into the accounts and then they're sending money payments into resorts around the world and things like that. Uh, or, um, or they're sending the money back uh, into Canada. So, you know, so it's devils in details love to further explore that, but uh, you know, it sounds like it's, it's very doable from what little, I, I guess I understand of the situation so far, but very common practice and, and we're doing it for even like Western Union and, and others that, um, you know, fintechs that we work with uh, that are collecting payments or doing treasury moves around the world and things like that for other large companies. So uh, it's, it's yeah, we would enjoy a conversation like that just to make sure we, we don't talk to each other, but sounds like. Yeah, from, from our side, I think, I'm, I mean, I'm seeing some of the comments uh, in the chat. My understanding around the Bank Secrecy Act and compliance is that banks, ba the, the, the letter of the law is not specific, right? The law says you need to know who your customer is. For most US institutions, they basically say, well, the, the most risk-free way to do that is to ensure they have an SSN and we're going to check that against the database and we make sure it matches the address they gave us and the name and the date of birth. So that's that's how people do KYC, just because it's cheaper and easier. Um, and 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 remember, for most institutions, it's a balance of cost and risk, right? So you know, we'll we'll they'll onboard customers um, at a sort of risk level that they're comfortable with, based on how much each onboarding costs. So the the way we operate is we're operating as agents on an MSB, so we're subject to their like where they set the bar in terms of risk. Uh, there, if you're not a sponsored by a bank, a nationally chartered bank like Mozart, then you have to be licensed in every state. So our MSB has licenses in each individual state, yeah. and that determines where you can send money from. So it's it's all about where can you send from. So if we have a customer that signs up with us, uh, we can sign up customers anywhere in the world, but we can only facilitate a money transfer from a state where we have a license. Uh, yep. And that's the that's the pain, unless we were doing it under sponsorship of a nationally chartered bank, in which case, like you 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 got much more cover. But then it's subject to the bank's decisions around risk and so on. So, I mean, the 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 obvious thing for us would be like partnering up with Mozart and just <laughs> extending, you know, where we can get cover for our customers. Um, you know, I've, I, I've already got my email in my outbox to Jeff about, um, about that. So don't worry. Um, but, but yeah, the, 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 like the long and short of it is um, for us to transact with people who have built products on Mozart, very straightforward. Like that's all the existing payment rails that are available. Um, I think if you got an account through one of Mozart's customers, uh, that wouldn't necessarily qualify you to get an account with us. 
again, the thing that we're constrained by is where do you live? Because we are only licensed to service customers who live in the states where we have a license. So it's it's nothing to do with where you have an account or anything like that. I, I, like I have a US bank account as well, but technically I can't be serviced by my own product because I don't live in a state where I have a license. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's spot on, uh, Adrian, of, of the point. And just to make sure everybody kind of caught, because uh, there's some pretty important fine details that, that Adrian kind of brought us through is, you know, I, an MSB definitely serves its purpose here in the U.S. The challenge, as Adrian mentioned, is is that you need to be licensed and maintained licensing in every single state that your payers are are in. Um, you know, the second we became a program manager and sponsored by a nationally chartered bank, we we automatically got the all the fifty state licenses. So that whole entire issue and problem of an MSB day one went away or the second we signed automatically went away. So now we have, you know, anybody and everybody across across the US can transact through Mozart. Um, and, and so the other part of it too is is that, you know, an MSB, uh, they're they're really not licensed. They're not they're not a licensed bank. And so they can't hold funds where we can. And you know, we do. We have we have some of our clients that you know, holding, you know, millions and millions of dollars in accounts with us. And you just could never do that with an MSB. So it's a, a bit limiting on that side where we operate and function as a full, you know, nationally chartered bank uh, in the U.S. to be able to do any and all, everything that we've been talking about um, for any of our clients. And then as, as Adrian mentioned, it really comes down to, you know, like what is the risk tolerance of that bank and the regulators that that monitor the bank? And so that's, you know, that's a big part of where we spend our time. And, and I mentioned earlier, devil's in the details. Um, you know, we, we feel we have a pretty, uh, a pretty good opportunity with, within our current, you know, bank of what we're doing, of being able to kind of open up and, and accept, you know, a bunch of additional risk because of our compliance is such a strong asset to our company that, you know, the, the bank, you know, may not understand it because we've worked with them so long and our compliance is state of the art that it takes them very little time for them to, to assign off and approve things on our side to say, okay, it, it was a risk thing. It was thing, something we were concerned about, but we're, we're not concerned because we have everything that we need um, to be able to approve, you know, these types of transactions. So, um, you know, that, that happens uh, over time. It doesn't happen overnight. So, it's a good thing we've been at it for as long as we have. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, we're we're close against it. See, I knew I knew we had to keep a good clip today and still get some good interaction because we had a lot of content. Um, Jeff's email is now in the chat, posted by Chris. Thank you, Chris, for doing that. Um, I'm sure many of you are going to be following up. Uh, we're leaving a few questions on the table. Maybe one quick one, Jeff. You could do is can you specify by the banks uh, Mozart is working with. Give us some examples of that. Yeah, so it's it's everybody. Um, the one that's you know that that is the most public uh, that everybody would see is is uh, Stearns Bank. They're the ones that sponsored us. They're a nationally chartered bank. They're about a two to three billion dollar bank here in the U.S. We work with uh, a bunch of others that uh, we haven't necessarily made public, but you know, uh, Triad Business Bank is, is a bank, a client of ours, uh, you know, Bank of Oklahoma, we work closely with a bunch of others, uh, like Commerce Bank and others. But, um, you know, so we, we have a number of banks that we work with on our side, but, uh, you know, probably the one that is probably the most important right this second is probably Stearns Bank, who is one of the 
the best capitalized banks in the U.S. I think it, they just came out of, for a bank over a billion dollars, which uh, you know only about ten percent of the banks in the U.S. are or credit unions are over a billion dollars. For a bank over a billion dollars, I think they rank like the third best capitalized bank uh, in the U.S. So it's uh, it's a it's a powerhouse of a bank that uh, that we work with, and so that that one to us is probably for all of us is probably the most important is that that's the one that we uh, have been uh, sponsored by. Awesome. Well, thank you, everybody. And thanks for those that shared out and shared your work. I felt like, you know, a real chunky, dense, uh, but still fun community call. So thanks, everyone. Um, good luck for the Rafikiers and teams uh, in the work week in Romania next week. And don't forget, Summit's coming up. If you're, we're all in the process of making plans, please reach out if you need to, to one of us. Vanille RI is a good lead uh, on that front. And... We will see you next month, right? October's on, November's off, December's on. Um, keep it simple, and we will go from there. See you on the community Slack, where you can find everybody that's on this call is there. Thank you. Thank you, everybody.